Greetings, Muppet fans, and welcome back to Moving Right Along, the Muppet Movie Podcast, brought to you by ToughPigs.com. This is the podcast where we watch the Muppet movie two minutes at a time, and we talk about it a lot. I'm your host, Ryan Rowe. And I'm your other host, Anthony Strand. And joining us today is... Max Jessup, a Muppet weirdo, you know, what can I say? I fit in with these folks. <laughs> yeah, I think Muppet weirdo is all you need to say. So today we are looking at minutes 17 and 18 of the Muppet movie. In these minutes, Kermit goes flying off the ceiling fan at the El Slizo. And uh, at the end of these minutes, Kermit wonders what's going on with the car that has appeared behind his car with Fozzie. This is some really good minutes. I, I, I like this. It's a little taste of everything. We get a little taste of what we had last week. And then, you know, it's like, ooh, the you know, what's to come, what's to come. We got a little bit more of what was, uh, what was teased. Um, yeah. So one of the first things that happens here is, uh, Kermit flying off the ceiling fan and crash landing in Paul Williams piano. Um, Kermit says he hopes we appreciate that he's doing all his own stunts. When did that become sort of a, a point of, of bragging for actors that, that they're doing their own stunts? Cause you hear about it a lot now with people like Tom Cruise and mission impossible. Yeah. That's right. interesting. That's a good question because, I mean, it, it clearly must go back much farther than this because yeah. Kermit says it like it's a cliche. Right, exactly. So were people talking about like, oh, Errol Flynn is doing his own stunts in that new movie? Well, I'm sure, I mean, you know, the thing is you, you read, I don't know the origin of that, but you read about silent films and even like comedic actors, daredevil comedic actors like mm. Buster Keaton yeah. did all of his own stunts, right? Yeah, that might be where it starts. Broke the guy's neck. Right, exactly. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure how far back it goes, but yeah, I mean, you hear Keaton especially, but all you mean Charlie Chaplin and Harold Lloyd too, right? Yeah, Harold definitely. Lloyd all the stunts on Safety Last or whatever. Right, all kinds yeah. of crazy stuff. All right, and yeah. now Kermit joins their proud ranks, uh, falling off the the ceiling fan. And and then I love when he says that line. Uh, Paul Williams just does this quick take to the camera. That is, yes, I love yes. it so much. That is the best part. Oh my gosh. And it's kind of hard yeah. to read like his what exactly the piano player is is feeling in that moment, but just just such a, a little little gesture that that's just so entertaining. Right. Well, and he looks, I mean, it, just the way that he turns and like you say that serious look on his face, it's just like to me it reinforces the point Kermit just made. Kermit said, "I hope you appreciate being honest sense." Paul Williams looks at us like Yes, you better appreciate. Like, yes, yeah. this is our, you know, like, right? It's like, so you see what this guy's going through for you, <laughs> right? Exactly. That's funny because right. I, because I always thought of it as sort of like a, like really, he's saying this cliche sort of thing. That's what I always took it as. Oh, mm, com- competing theories of Paul Williams looking at <laughs> the Interesting. So, I mean, I could see that too. He might be more like rolling his eyes almost at Kermit even bringing that up. But that yeah. just goes to show how versatile the gesture is. Yes. Yeah, so... It's, uh, it, so it's what we interpret it as. So I think we should ask the listeners to let us know in the comments uh, what they think Paul Williams looking at the camera means. Yes, what was the piano player thinking? Maybe make some memes. You know, that'd be fun. That'd be great. Sure. I'd love it. 
I think we should make that happen. All right. Uh, did you have anything else to say about th- that little moment with Paul Williams and the piano? I, I really like the way Kermit just like goes into the innards of the piano and pops his head out and kind of looks like he's become very comfortable sitting in the piano. Yeah, he doesn't leave there until the scene cuts and then we're outside. Like, he's in the piano. That's true. Right. It, it just kind of seems like a nice place for him to hang out. It's safe in there. And it's also very more easily accessible for the puppeteer. That, too. <laughs> That's true, too. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, and speaking of puppeteers, the next thing we see is uh, Frank Oz uh, still doing his cameo as the biker who's uh, beating the crap out of Fozzie. And then this is the moment where he he tosses Fozzie across the room, and as he does it, he goes, Waka Waka! That is the greatest is, line! It's really great because it's Frank Oz playing a character who is mocking the catchphrase of a character who is played by Frank Oz. Right, and it, it might just be that he's doing... He's saying similar sounds, but it sounds so much to me like the voice he did for Hugga Wugga. Yes, I didn't even make that connection, but it totally does. It you know that uh, that variety show, which is I should say for the listeners, they don't know. It was a sketch they did in the '60s on variety shows where this uh, Jim Henson voiced creature is singing "You Are My Sunshine," and then this little Frank Oz voiced creature comes up and sings "Hoga Waga Doo Doo Yeah" and messes up his, his sunshine. Also on the Muppet Show, they did it once. Yeah, season right. one. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, I always think of it from Ed Sullivan show for whatever yeah. reason. But yeah. Well, technically, if you want to get super nerdy on the Ed Sullivan show, it was Scrap Fleap. Oh, you're right. You're <laughs> and then right. later, I, I, they they fine-tuned it's, it's it to Hugga Wugga. On the mu- See, I think I, had them, uh, I think I had them backwards. I can't believe you would make that mistake. But anyways, Frank Oz is doing a voice he did in an obscure sketch. Which another thing about that, though, is he's doing this very gruff, monstery sounding voice, but he doesn't sound like Cookie Monster. So I don't know how that guy does it. He's very talented. He's very talented. He also, um, like you say, he says Waka Waka as he throws Fozzie, which we talked uh, last time or a couple times ago about how Fozzie comes out and says Waka a bunch of times at the start of this clip. And how it seems like in the real world, this is kind of the beginning of Waka Waka being Fozzie's catchphrase. It just might be, yeah. But in the movie, it must already be his catchphrase because this biker at the El Slizo like associates it with him. Like again, if Fozzie's been doing this show for a while, this biker is probably sick of hearing him do his Waka Wakas, right? Just wants to see the cuties. Does Fozzie have a line somewhere where he says something like this? I'm a professional. This is my third show. I think he said that in the dance sequence, maybe that. Oh, okay. Okay. So maybe, so Frank Oz's biker had the bad luck to be at both of, or however many of Fozzie's uh, previous performances. Previous shows, yeah. And he just, he's fed up. He's not taking it anymore. Yeah, this is a a very uh, ill-mannered biker. But I just think it's iconic. Like, like I I had not noticed this moment until I watched it in the clip. Like I don't know how it passed me in the past, but like I knew Frank Oz was always there, and I would always notice him throwing from like last week throwing Fozzie around or whatever, and him uh, whatever, and he's puppeteering while he's holding Fozzie, but I never knew the waka waka. That just seems like 
why isn't like that should be more well known in our community or whatever <laughs> why don't we talk about that all the time yeah well let's start some sort of campaign an awareness campaign <laughs> we'll come up with a hashtag i think it it's a t-shirt i think it's a t-shirt you know like oh i'd wear it the frank oz caricature and then the like a metal like a like a heavy metal font waka waka <laughs> that wow that's perfect yeah i'd buy it all right so uh we'll set that up uh people will be able to order that on uh, the tough pigs website so. so make your paul williams memes and submit uh shirt ideas for frank oz heavy metal waka waka <laughs> yes definitely <laughs> Uh, so Frank Oz, the biker, throws Fozzie, and Fozzie collides with the bartender, and then immediately emerges from behind the bar with the bartender's outfit and his beard, and this movie is amazing. <laughs> well, what, I mean, if, if you notice a few minutes late, a moment later, um, after Fozzie says, drinks on the house, of course, they all go up. Fozzie says works every time. Yes, right? Fozzie has done this before. So he keeps the costume back behind the bar just for this occasion. To do it. This is probably the third time, right? If it's the third show. <laughs> I guess so. So it always ends the same way. <laughs> yeah. I would wow. like to think. I would like to think that this is a really this is a much weirder theory, but that he's wearing his fur over the clothes for his disguise and so he just puts the beard on so it's quick and then he takes off his fake fur <laughs> so Fozzie is wearing a fur coat that matches his own fur yes or a fur coat made out of his own fur <laughs> that would be so good well you know what maybe since well, last time we talked about the two different Fozzie puppets maybe Fozzie is wearing a fur coat made out of his full body dancing <laughs> so, this is too much I'm sorry I'm, I'm done that's, that's... I don't know. What gets me though is that like there's there's no I don't know is it the same shot even I'm gonna go look but it, it happens in no time. He hits the bartender. Bartender falls down. Okay, it does cut away briefly, but then immediately Fozzie pops up from behind the bar. We don't know what happened to the bartender. I guess he's knocked out or he's just right. Yeah, I'm himself. He's taking a nap back there. But I'm surprised at the physical power that it like for Fozzie to knock this bartender down and the bartender hasn't got back up. If, if we're assuming he's passed out to where, you know, like Fozzie, you know, must, must have some, some bones, some brute strength. That he's very you dense. Know. Well, yeah. but I mean, Fozzie's a hefty guy. It's, this, it's not Kermit we're talking about, you know, but, but he's, but he's also still a Muppet. <laughs> well, <laughs> but he's right. a bear. But True. yeah, in the world of the movie, he's a bear. True. So, I don't know. Anthony, conversations like this are the reason we started this podcast. Absolutely, 100%. All right, um, what do we got? Uh, anything else about... Oh, well, so this is where Fozzie then says, uh, drinks on the house. Everybody rushes outside and uh, goes on the roof of the bar to look for the drinks on the house. This is one of several jokes in this movie that I absolutely did not get as a kid. Because when you're a little kid, you take things literally. So, of course, he said, drinks are on the house. Where else would the drinks be except on the roof of the building? Right, right. It's just Fozzie. Like, I think when, like, when I was a kid, I don't know about you, but I thought, like, Fozzie was actually just telling them 
there's drinks up there. But yeah, then they exactly. all get up there and find out that they're not. Yeah. Which, you know, the the joke depends on all the bar patrons being so stupid that that's how they interpret it also. But right. in order for it to be an effective joke, we, the audience, have to understand what the phrase drinks on the house means. Right. But again, Fozzie works, says, works every time. So if Frank Oz was there every time, some of these other people might have been there every time. Are these same patrons forgetting that Fozzie's done this before? Uh, fool me once. <laughs> fool me twice. Right, fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice, won't get fooled again. Yes, waka waka. And <laughs> I, can't, I can't hear waka waka now without thinking of that shirt idea now. It is going to it ruined waka waka for you for life, man. Forever. Yeah, no, I, what I was going to say is drinks on the house, I, 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 you probably already talked about this, you know, uh, this being the ninth episode or whatever. But um, I think going back to the idea that it kind of like the Muppet movie, you know, is a cinema literate sort of film. It's laying out these fourth wall stuff, but it also kind of has these, you know, it's like by the same hand, it's go using jokes that are definitely kind of like very simple, but they're like geared at adults it's sort of like they're I, I want to like quote some like um, like a video essay I saw where it's like they're punning like the masters or something like they're using really good puns that otherwise would be really crappy, but like they use it so well. Well, you, you, you know that. And I mean, this applies to some things in this movie. You know that Jim Henson quote about uh, if something's not funny enough to use once, it might be dumb enough to use three times. Yes, and I think that's that's a perfect example of all the stuff we're seeing here. Right, um, you know the, the the Harry Krishna bit, for example, which we saw last episode, pops up exactly three times in this movie. That is know? perfect. So, yeah, I think you're. Well, and I mean, of course, it also all goes back to Bob, right? Like, so many of these jokes are the kinds of jokes that any vaudeville comedian could do. You know, people like would share jokes, and it'd be these kind of dumb jokes. And Drinks on the House is a perfect example of that, right? Yeah. Like, like, I just think of it as being, like, so simple. And it does have this slant where, like, you need to know what Drinks on the House means. But, like, it's so simple, and yet it works so well. It's just so stupid, it's perfect. It's corny, yes. but it's, there's something very satisfying about it when the punchline happens. Precisely. Right. Agreed. And then I'm looking at the the people on on the house on the roof of the El Slizo. James Frawley pops up there again. I didn't realize how many how how many shots he actually appears in in the El Slizo. Well, I mean, he's there. Like it, they don't. It's like they have to have Paul Williams for a certain amount of days. They have Jim Frawley, so <laughs> that's true. Jim Frawley was there every day of shooting because he was directing the thing. So correct. Right. So he gave himself as much to do as possible. In his yeah. big scene. More power to him. Yeah, oh, sure. Uh, meanwhile, back inside the El Slizo, Fozzie uh, rips off his beard. Kermit uh, tells him about the auditions and basically assumes that if they're looking for frogs, they must be looking for bears, too. Right. Which, which I'm is... not sure I agree with his logic there. No, it's garbage. Like Fozzie... <laughs> Kermit's Fozzie... logic is garbage. But it's an Fozzie... excuse to get Fozzie... 
to like I I see it as this like Kermit is like well I don't really want to go alone and this guy's kind of cool why not why not Fozzie sure why oh sure not yeah Fozzie? um well although to me that that always seemed even when I was a kid that seemed to me like Kermit is doing the same thing Dorothy does in The Wizard of Oz right yeah. Every time Dorothy meets a new friend, all three times, she says, well, it, maybe the wizard can give you a brain. Maybe the wizard can give you a heart. Maybe the wizard can give you courage, right? This guy who's sending me home can probably also do these other things. Yeah, so why don't you join me on this magical journey right, to this, right. this place where things are going to happen? But, but to me, it's much more logical for Dorothy to assume that this all-powerful all wizard can help her friends than for Kermit to be like, well, there's an open casting call for frogs. They probably need all animals. When they said frogs, they probably also meant bears, the next animal over. <laughs> right, they add specifically said frogs. Fro- frogs are reptiles. Bears are shaggy mammals. They're not even close. Right. But anyway, it gets Kermit and Fozzie uh, together. Uh, and then shortly after this, we see Fozzie's Studebaker for the first time. Yeah. According to the Internet Movie Cars database, which I have cited a time or two before, uh, Fozzie's uh, car is a 1951 Studebaker Bullet Nose Commander. And I'm sure we'll talk more about it uh, later. But yeah, here it is, the Studebaker. And it's very dimly lit, but like, it's still like an impressive reveal, I feel. I don't know. Like, it, it feels satisfying. It's like... If you've seen this movie multiple times, it's like, oh, it's the Studebaker. Like, it, it's like, I don't know. Like, it, it doesn't seem like it would be a grand entrance, but it satisfies that to, for me. It's also another one of these things where they give us just a hint of the fact that this bear puppet is driving a car. They don't give us a lot of it. It is dimly lit, like you say, but we can see that Fozzie's in the driver's seat and the car is moving. So it, uh, right. yeah, it's, it's kind of a tease for what we're going to see later. Um, also, uh, one of my favorite jokes is in this scene, Fozzie uh, says his uncle left him in the car. Kermit says, did he die? No, he's hibernating. Yeah, so, there's a joke later about where he says a bear in his natural habitat, a Studebaker. I like this one more. Of the Studebaker jokes in this movie, I like this one more. Huh. Sure. <laughs> um, I prefer the natural habitat, but that's that's just me. Sure. I mean, it's all good. But to me, it's like, I love that joke because how long has Fozzie's uncle been hibernating? And how long, like, I mean, I guess if, if we're near Kermit Swamp, right, we're probably in Mississippi. It could be winter, right? We don't know. Could but it doesn't, look like, it doesn't look like winter and Fozzie's uncle is hibernating. Yeah, maybe he just, uh, he overslept. And it's been a long enough time for Fozzie to get a correspondence course. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> to too. learn to drive. Yeah, that's true too. I didn't even think about that. So there's another car in this scene, and that is a mysterious car that appears to be trailing the Studebaker. And we find out in a brief shot that Doc Hopper is sitting in the back seat of this mysterious car. Right. Yeah. Looking Ominous. intimidating. I like how the light kind of like passes by him. That like that is also like a, a decent effect. How they're just like, and it creates that ominousness to what we're gonna know Doc Hopper for. Yeah, there is something ominous about that. 
Um, yeah, and then this sure. is, uh, we have the moment where Kermit suggests that he and Fozzie put an act together. Fozzie says he only works as a single, thinks about it for about two seconds, and then tells Kermit that he talked him into it. The long right. pause is one of uh, one of the best things about this. Yeah, it's quote. great. It's really funny, although we don't really see Kermit and Fozzie working together like a comedy team much on The Muppet Show. Right. Well, I, I was going to say, the one thing that comes to mind is Good Grief, the Comedians of Bears. Yes. And that is, in, like, in show, that's something Fozzie sprang on Kermit at the last minute that Kermit didn't know anything about. So it's not like, even there, they, like, were rehearsing a comedy duo. Yeah, that was right? all Fozzie's idea. But they're not necessarily inferring, I suppose, that it's going to be, like, a a comedy act. They're just saying, let's put together an act. I, I think that's to maybe say, hey, maybe we could put on a show or I don't know. Or like, right. I don't know. Like, you be a part of my thing. You be a part of my thing. I'll, we'll start it. Why don't we call it the Muppet Show? That sounds cool. Mop Puppet, you know? Sure. sure. <laughs> uh, yes. And I also wanted to mention th- th- something this reminded me of. We do uh, silly little uh, April Fool's Day jokes on Tough Pigs every year. Oh, I love those. That's the best thing ever. Thanks. And one year we did something called Buzz Pigs, which was basically this parody of BuzzFeed style clickbait websites. So I wrote something. uh, It was like, this insane fan theory will change the way you look at the Muppet show or the Muppet movie. (laughs) And it was basically the theory was that Kermit doesn't exist. Kermit is all in Fozzie's imagination. He made him up to uh, t- to boost his confidence. He wasn't doing so well at the Oslo. And so it explains why Fozzie does all the driving, because Kermit doesn't exist, therefore he can't drive. And uh, Yeah, sure. And it explains why Fozzie just decides to pack up and follow Kermit so quickly. Like He doesn't go to get any luggage of his own. He doesn't really think about it. He's just like, you want to have go with me to Hollywood and Fozzie's like yeah sure so it's just Fozzie created this character in his mind to uh, give himself the confidence he needed that yeah. made me laugh so hard good yeah. <laughs> although my favorite my favorite of the Tough Pigs April Fools was Tough Bears that was always my favorite that was fun yeah, yeah was it wasn't it like Bobo was gonna be on BJ and the Bear reboot or something? Um, no, no, it, it might was have Bear been from Bear and the Big Blue Bear, House. Yeah, it was BJ and Bear. <laughs> yeah, awesome. <laughs> I forget what Bobo. There must have been something we did. There was for Bobo something with Bobo. There was, but I don't remember. If you want to find out, listeners, go check out toughpigs.com. Look for the old April Fools articles. Yeah, or there. yeah, you can go to the website and search for April Fools or Tough Bears or Buzz Pigs. <laughs> they're all still there yep and they're uh, the best i recommend it so much oh. enthusiastically endorsed by podcast guest max jessup yes as always uh cool. and then we have uh kermit and Fozzie encounter a roadblock and this is where kermit says hey what's going on that brings us to the end of this clip uh do you guys have anything else for the clip that we've been discussing is this the first car like effect sort of thing that like we like you talk about how this is kind of like the first time we're seeing like oh Fozzie's driving this car but like this is the first time where I think it's actually like very visibly this car is moving and like we see a bump into the thing like yeah right like that that's impressive 
Like, yeah, it really, it really sells the point that yes, this Muppet is driving a car. Right, and remind me, there's actually like a person by the pedals like, running the pedals yeah, like, or something, right? I thought it was like a little like compartment thing that they they carved out where it's like below, just directly below Fozzie, sort of like so. Fozzie underneath that, it's Frank Oz, but like. Uh, forward, closer to the hood of the car, is the person driving the car. Huh. Remar- Something like Remarkable, that. Remarkable, yeah. Yeah, that sounds right. I, I'm sure we'll get into that a little bit more, a uh, little bit later in the movie. So, yeah, any other thoughts? Well, I mean, n- not only that, um, like, we talked about how it being dimly lit. I, I, always, I always like the scenes, like... I like how the Muppet movie treats darkness where it's like, it's not a dark film per se. I always associate like a warm hug. Like it, it, it's got that good old film grain. It's, it's like a lot of oranges and, and you know, all that, you know, the warm colors to me, but when you have a, a night scene or something like that, they really go all in, not like stylistically, but it's like, it's so dark. And right. you see that you see that later on with kind of like talking with Kermit and Fozzie and then Doc Hopper selling his pitch. And really the only thing illuminating them are those TVs. And I always felt like it was a striking cinematography choice for them to like, it's so black. And, you know, it, it kind of sets the mood without kind of like taking away from the uh, from the aesthetics of the entire film. I don't know. Right. You're right. Yeah, there huh. there are parts of this sequence that look like Godfather Two, in in how they treat darkness and. Yeah, you're right. Huh. Yeah, that's really cool. So that's a cool choice on the on the part of uh, James Frawley and Isidore Mankowski. Was that his name? Yeah, uh, yeah I, Isidore Mankowski. Uh, what was it? Two years ago? No, no. La- just last year, I uh, I did governor school for the arts for like Tennessee when I lived in Tennessee. And, um, and the thing that got me in was I wrote a big, long essay on the Muppet movie. And I, and in doing that, I found, I, I needed to go back and read it because it was really interesting. I come at the Muppet movie from, like, I am a fan, but I'm also looking at it through, like, certainly a film lens. That, that's what I like. And, uh, and I found this really good article from, like, an old cinematography magazine where it's the the cinematographer Isidore Men whatever Menkowski and, and he's like going in depth about how this is this was like not only hard with the effects and the Muppets and all that it was really thought through like this kind of stuff like we talk about the darkness but like I think it really is manifest and I like that this silly little kids movie is taken a lot more seriously in terms of its aesthetics. And that article did wonders for me. Look that up if you can find it, people who are interested in that sort of thing. Yeah, what was the yeah. publication? Do you remember? It, it was like uh, National Cinematography, like American, National Cinematography uh, Magazine or something. American Cinematography? Yes, that was oh, it. That was the one. Awesome. That yeah. was the one. Right? I'll definitely look I that up. I found that extremely interesting. Yeah, I'll definitely look for that. Yeah, that's a really cool way to look at the movie. Yeah, but that's that's all I got. 
All right. And with that, we bring another episode of Moving Right Along to a close. Uh, be sure to check out toughpigs.com on the internet. You can find some of those articles that we mentioned. And we're also on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and Tumblr and who knows what else. Just just look us up. Uh, you can find – what was that? And on April 1st, they, they do the, the best April Fool's Day post. So follow them for that alone. <laughs> right. Just don't read us until April 1st. That's when you want to go to the website. One day out of the year, we do yes. quality work. You should ignore us every other day of the year. <laughs> and uh, also, you can find me on Twitter at me, Ryan Rowe. You can find Anthony at Zeppo Marxist. And Max, remind us where they can find you. They can find me on Twitter at BeakerBoy12. I do Muppet commentary and stuff like they do. It's fun. Very good. We all have fun. And please join us again next week, and you'll have more fun with another episode of Moving Right Along. Goodbye. Bye. Waka waka. <laughs> <laughs>